0: Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast, your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the
1: games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their Master Chief from their Master Sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, casey and ferg so toss a coin to your witcher
0: and answer that call of duty it's time to level up this is the discerning gamer podcast
1: and here to satisfy your gaming fix once again this is the discerning gamer podcast with myself joel jb fury boshane and uh, once again, in, in the DG crew, in the, uh, the DG lounge with myself, I've got uh, a bunch of people who just cannot wait to deliver the latest in gaming news, gaming culture and everything in between. And without further ado, with me tonight, I've got the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam... He delivers his gaming news with more skill than Sam Porter Bridges delivers BBs through the BTs. It's Fergus (laughs) Fergimon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus.
2: Uh, How are you, JB? Great to be here.
1: I'm absolutely on top of the world, mate. Also with us, we've got the gaming chef. He's spent hours in his local EB games holding a copy of Toe Jam & Earl back in the groove and debating whether it's worth spending the $5 to keep Sega's floundering library of IP afloat. <laughs> it's Simon <laughs> Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. <laughs>
3: Oh, thank you, Joel. If there is one gaming company I'm struggling to bat for, it's Sega always. Sega! Oh,
1: that's that's beautiful, Simon. Uh, well done, mate. It's my acapella Sega. Yeah, absolutely. Acapella uh, Sega. That's exactly what I, what I thought. Uh, Same Sega group. Uh, finally, uh, with us, uh, last but not least, we've got the Nintendo Queen and... Much like the Pokemon Snorlax, her special skill is being incredibly tired all the time, <laughs> and causing her main opponent Simon to respond simply with Harden. It's Casey C Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. No, <laughs> Lovely to be here.
4: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Welcome. Welcome. Oh. Um, well, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Uh, in order to to kick off the the gaming news tonight, uh, maybe I will hand straight to you, uh, C Mac, uh, for a bit of news regarding uh, the new Pokemon trailer.
4: Yes, this um trailer dropped two days ago, I think. Um, just a second trailer for Pokemon violet and pokemon scarlet and i only just realized tonight simon told me apparently each game it is quite different one is set in the past and one is set in the future Pfft. wow revolutionary pokemon company mm. it's pretty exciting but yeah i don't know the trailer for me we had a bit of a debate about it before it was a little underwhelming it showed it was highlighting the open worldness of pokemon I don't know if anyone's played Pokemon Arceus. It was for me a huge disappointment let down because it just feels like a whole empty void of nothing's happening. And I don't know, just from this trailer, second trailer, I see a lot of empty void of nothing happening, you know? (laughs) So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, it also shows you can play with three other friends. I think it came up with, so that, you know, who knows, that might be a fun sort of co-op mode maybe. Um, it also said at the end, it's going to be released November 18th this year. So we'll see how we go. And I've noticed EB put up on Facebook today that they're going to, they've just announced the dual pack game pack for it. So both games in the one steel bookcase. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's probably going to set you back 150 (laughs) plus I'm guessing, but yeah, it, it looks alright. I, I, Ferg was mentioning this Pokemon called oh, yeah. Lechonk. <laughs> Le chunk. I think that's like, uh, loosely. I, was like, what is this? <laughs> I think it's,
2: I think it's loosely translated as the chunk, if I'm not mistaken. The but
4: ch- it's like, <laughs> hey, um a little a, a, a warthog pig Pokemon, and I was like, what is the um, what's going on with this with this pokemon and i went into the trailer um youtube comments and there's so many <laughs> funny comments saying because the legend they show the legendaries at the end they look insane they look really cool mm-hmm. and then people are saying i don't think the pokemon company realized that lechonk would um you know oh, steal, the show. steal the show and someone the top comment i can see is i hope lechonk evolves into lechonk <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh my god! Uh, I I saw the same thing. I watched the trailer as well, and that sort of made me laugh a bit. I was like, "La chonk!" I was like, "That's pretty funny." <laughs> and then I didn't touch my phone for the whole working day. And then when I picked it up in the late afternoon and opened my phone, it was just la chonk memes everywhere just yeah yeah. it just blew up is it just
4: the name that's funny is that what we're laughing at okay right because i couldn't i was like okay it's just a pig pokemon (laughs) a a hog a hog type pokemon so there's (laughs) there's so many types of pokemon these days but we'll see how we go i don't know i think we might wait for a, a few reviews and a few things like that before we actually purchase it because yeah like i said pokemon arceus it sort of seems to be following that route of just empty void off a game and I just I'm not I'm not into that. I find even the old Game Boy games had more substance to it. I know that sounds weird but you're there not, is more people littering. Mm. You know, I, I'm just I, I'm sick of playing these games where it's just, you're just walking around nothing's around you. I want more trees more scenery, more houses more people and I just don't see that happening. Yeah. The end. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's the end. <laughs> You've got such a good point though because the Old Pokemon games, I feel like they had so much personality mm. and even though for as simple as they were and maybe it was because we were kids, but it left so much to the imagination as well and you kind of felt like that that world, you could really vividly connect with it. Whereas with this sort of, this art style that they're going for, which is a mishmash of that cell shaded anime look, done very poorly doesn't doesn't really feel like it's bringing the pokemon world to life very well and and
4: i understand they're trying to make the world expand what am i trying to say like huge like an open world game but for this i don't know that's what made sort of the game boy game so unique and fun to play because it was it was compact to a degree like it was it was large but you know you would always come across something you never just completely never just aimlessly running for ages and, ages and ages and ages and ages trying to encounter something there's always something there's always a hidden cave or there's there's the secrets to collect or there's you know a, a house there or someone's stranded but yeah i just feel like this is just randomized pokemon pop up every now and then depending on the time of day yeah. <laughs> and i just there's not much substance to it but who knows I, I don't know it's early days kind of well
3: kind of but kind it's of. to come out this year and that's the i keep forgetting thing. we're
4: in june we're not in, we're not in January. i don't know
3: if you guys feel the same way but i mean ever since breath of the wild came out everyone wants to bring out a breath of the wild in their own game like their own game style right we saw pokemon company try and do this with legends arceus and it was empty and it looked like a tech demo for a Pokemon game that a fan made, and then you know you've got so many other companies trying to do the same thing. I mean, look at Sonic, that we'll talk about in a bit. <laughs> but you know, it's it's. Um, I think what's different is that there was so much thought and care put into the world of Breath of the Wild to make it feel exciting, even when nothing was happening, which none of these games have been able to do—is to make nothing exciting you know yeah, like you could
4: aimlessly w- run around breath of the wild but somehow it, you never felt like alone it yeah, was very you'd, you'd was
3: be like, surprised at things that would happen and pokemon like legends arceus at least just failed to do that there was no surprise element to it, it i was, think that's what
4: i'm scared of with this trailer yeah. for violet and uh, oh, scarlet, scarlet. <laughs> yeah I, it just looks like the same sort of thing maybe with an extra pokemon um center Plop, like plopped in. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah. yeah.
2: I remember. What do you guys um, think? Yeah, I, I watched it as well. And I remember it was sort of early on in the year. I think when you guys, I think Simon was talking about Arceus and made the point with the Pokemon games where it's nearly at a point now where there are only small increment sort of improvements between each game. And as someone that, you know, I love the original games, loved them to pieces on Game Boy. Mm. But, you know, I played Sword and Shield and that was. Don't get me wrong, that was a pretty good game. I enjoyed it, um, but I look at this one and I think, is there anything like different that's really pulling me into the new one, or am I better off again waiting another five, ten years and then buying that <laughs> instalment? You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. looking at the trailer, you know, the four player co-op, I think that'd be really good for some people, but I don't know outside of that. And obviously, Lechonk, I don't know what I'm really <laughs> excited about when I watch the trailer. It just looks like
1: more of the same. Um,
4: yeah. so. oh, I can't wait for the merch. Birthday yeah. present for you. Well, just,
1: just on the LeChonk uh, controversy, <laughs> I've also found uh, memes appearing online about a Pokemon enti- entitled Trubbish, which appears to be just a trash bag with eyes and teeth. Um, That's
4: been around for a while, hasn't it? Hasn't yeah. Trubbish been around for a little while?
1: And he, he evolves to Garbodor. Garbodor. Um, I mean, are they even yeah. trying at Pokemon HQ? They're, they're, someone's just taking a look yeah. at a bin and gone. Oh yeah, let's let's, let's throw that in the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, what can we see Joel, from Joel? I don't
3: know if you've seen this. there's a Pokemon that is a set of keys. Like it's 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 getting to that point where it's like, well,
4: a, territory? We've
3: had enough uh, animals and you know f- amazing looking creatures and things based off of dinosaurs. Oh, uh, what do I use to leave the house every day? My car, what do I put my keys on? Uh, key ring that's that's a Pokemon. It's just it's ridiculous. I'm I mean, it, it all stupid. started back,
1: back in the original generation when you had uh, Diglett, which was essentially a, a turd with eyes and mouth uh, poking out the ground, uh, which then evolved into uh, Doug Trio, which was just three turds poking out of the ground. Uh, <laughs> In, in a sort of uh, turd conglomerate. Um, so, I mean, it's it's been a, a trope of the series for, for many years. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, gone back well,
4: to their roots with though. Yeah, back they to certainly the have.
1: <laughs> so, yes, everyone, you've heard it here first. The Nintendo Queen summary of uh, the new Pokemon Scarlet slash Violet uh, can be summarised in this way. And there we have it.
0: Yes.
4: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, for sure.
1: uh, Simon, uh, let's hand over to you uh, for some oh, news have you got a on the it? Sega front <laughs> once again.
3: Oh, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? you heard about this? Uh, Get yeah. this. Have you heard about this? Um, Sonic Frontiers. Sonic Frontiers got its very first. Okay, this is, this is what I find weird to start off with. We've got... A, like a, a, a two what is it a one minute teaser trailer or something, and then the day after we get gameplay. So I just, just do it all at once, really, <laughs> like um, because I think um, Sega and the Sonic team have shot themselves in the foot by showing us this teaser trailer that kind of looks pretty promising from the out get from the, the out the get the outset. Um, looks kind of cool, and then all of a sudden we get seven minutes of what looks to be again. Uh, well, I really want to be Breath of the Wild, but um, I've never done this before. So here's a tech demo where Sonic's running around in a big open field. And uh, there's just a Emotional whole bunch of... Emotional <laughs> damage! <laughs> it, it is like that, though. There is just... It just looks like there's stuff plastered everywhere and none of it is particularly interesting. And what is really upsetting is that quite a while ago, I played a, a, um, a fan project called uh, Project Hero. I played it on PC. It was just like a, um, a test zone where somebody had basically created their own engine for Sonic and it was really good. And then I look at this and I go, that, that engine would have been perfect for this game to allow you to actually traverse puzzles and do things based off of how much speed you can gather or how well you can get momentum. And um, that's just not evident. There's so many little dash panels and automated segments in a world that is meant to be open and alive. And I just think that it's a little bit, it's troublesome. I mean, I'm not going to discount it completely because unfortunately, like every Sonic fan that is out there at the moment. And I think I speak for pretty much all of us. There is always a part of you that wants the game to be good. (laughs) And there is always the part of you that goes, I'll play that because you want it to be good. And you just want to know for yourself. I, I finished Sonic 06. And that's like pretty well broken, but I couldn't help myself. I had to finish it because it's Sonic. And it's just, it's really sort of, it sounds really depressing because I put so much care and effort into wanting to enjoy these games (laughs) that I go out and I buy them and I play them and I finish them and then I take them back. And it's just kind of like, I just don't want to have to do that with this game, but I feel like it's going to it's gonna happen again. But, I mean, what else do we see? We saw a couple of puzzles happen. that they, they faked getting a puzzle wrong to show you how to do it right and all this kind of other stuff. But there was no gameplay of, you know, any sort of combat or attacking enemies that we saw in the trailer that came before it. Now they're going to show another trailer that focuses on the combat. I mean, it's just like, come on, just do come it right. all at once. Do it all at once. Why are you going to to separate it like this? You know, it's just kind of feels like the same thing that they've been doing with this game since its announcement is just drip feeding information bit by bit by bit until inevitably they'll release it when it's not finished and it'll be terrible. And then they'll have to patch it or, you know, who knows? They might even, um, you know, surprise me and delay the game, which I feel like this game needs at least six months delayed needs six months just to kind of... They need to really think about what the hell they're doing and just kind of tweak it a bit. Mm -hmm. And that's just from me seeing seven minutes of Sonic running around in an open field and (laughs) jankily going up rocks. Like, it needs more time. Mm -hmm.
4: Um, When's it meant to come out? Well...
3: meant to come out this year. year. I don't know when. Sometime later on this year.
1: Well, uh, Simon, uh, this wasn't actually uh, reported in any news that I could find, but... uh, We've got a little treat for you and the <laughs> listeners uh, tonight. We, uh, the discerning gamer was actually uh, reached out to by Sega and uh, oh. they asked us mm-hmm. to, uh, to come down to Sega headquarters for a visit with the development team for Sonic Frontiers and uh, for them to just uh, tell us a few of the ideas that they're hoping to implement in the game. So uh, we'll cross to that audio right now. oh no
2: Uh, (laughs) thank you Sega. (laughs) thanks Sega. it's yeah it's interesting what an honour I watched it as well so I saw I I actually wrote some notes when I watched the trailer and one of the things I wrote was Mm. it looks promising and then obviously today I've gone and watched the seven minutes and my look promising has turned into it looks promising with a question mark (laughs) it yeah. yeah, I agree. I, the overwhelming sort of feeling I got from watching the seven minutes was, by the end of it, I also I nearly felt a bit sad for Sonic. For seven minutes, he sort of just ran around in an empty world. You know, there was no dialogue. There was sort of just some music playing, but it was sort of like in silence. And it, yeah, it just seems like it's this really... I don't know if soulless is the right word, but it just felt like it didn't really have any kind of vibrancy or... Um, anything like that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and wait and see. I suppose with this one, but um, yeah, I don't know. There's some positive signs there, but I think overall, I felt yeah, a few more question marks than um optimism, unfortunately. Yeah,
3: and I mean, like when when the first sort of announcement trailer came out, the cinematic trailers and everything, there was this overwhelmingly positive response from, I think across across the community you could see it on the the likes on youtube you could see it on uh, when youtubers would talk about it and things like that and immediately you see some gameplay of this i mean there's a point where sonic's running up a wall and then they just get him to stop and he's climbing and then he runs again and it's like am i watching like a spider-man mod is what i was thinking is just like a a mod for spider-man and somebody's done a really dumb job he's climbing like why is he climbing for dude's got legs like run and, yeah, and you, then he,
4: and then and then he, he just up.
3: all of a sudden runs really slowly to the top it's it's just, just kind of like climb. <laughs> i think that they're really confused they wanted to do something big and um and bold but i feel like this team does not have the experience to do that and so it feels he looks like
4: really weird in this world yeah yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It. it doesn't look right it it, just he doesn't... looks
4: like a weird sort of space jam like <laughs>
3: Totally, a, like yeah, a yeah, legions, yeah,
4: yeah, you know, in a real world, yeah, yeah very
2: uh, odd. Yeah, yeah. it felt like some. a um, like a sandbox mode kind of thing where it was in yes. this boxy world that was just scattered full of, you know, random rails in the sky and yeah.
4: I don't know I, I um, thought it
2: actually looked quite good but I'm just wondering how much substance there it do, is behind It does look
4: good but it just yeah. looks really out of place like it, why I don't know maybe there is a story Mo explaining why he's in this hyper-realistic world
3: mm. I, My you theory know? is is that he's trapped in a um, he's trapped in a simulation mm. so in my mind he's trapped in this <laughs> giant simulation and that's why nothing quite makes sense it's on this island which is all kind of like Deathloop mm. Loop. <laughs> It's just so
1: oh, just Simon. In this sort Simon of, Simon You
3: know No, God <laughs> <laughs> No, God Please no! this <laughs> no! is my thing he's trapped in a simulation <laughs> a simulation and i think there's going to be cracks where he gets out and goes into like there might be some proper sort of levels throughout it who knows nice.
4: that would be cool
3: that, that would be cool there's always there's been this rumor that there are cyberspace levels where he goes out and it's more kind of like traditional platforming and all that kind of stuff I, i'd be really excited for that but a, a part of me feels like that it's just going to be this the whole time, and it stresses me out. But anyway, that's Sonic Frontiers.
1: Well, Sonic Frontiers.
4: Take that, Mr. Eyeballs.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Ferg, I'm going to hand over to you next uh, for a little bit of news regarding a a certain streamer that's achieved something that not many others have managed to do. Yeah, that's it. I thought, you know what, why not?
2: We'll give a shout-out to some of the gamers out there in the world that are doing some pretty... Uh, I use the word amazing things because I don't know if amazing is quite the right word, but doing some pretty (laughs) crazy things in the video game sphere. So um, something that caught my eye, I think, yeah, maybe it was early on in the week, is a story that was published, I think I originally read on PC Gamer, I can't remember if it was their article, but they basically um, talked about this streamer who's um, done a couple of, amazing things when it comes to video game completion so you know obviously when there comes to you know gamers and finishing games there's sort of i don't know some levels or some challenges or you might achieve in order to get the game done so i suppose it starts off at the bottom you buy a game but you don't actually finish it and for whatever reason you didn't like the game or you got distracted with something else you don't get it done from there you play the main story and you finish it and then you call it quits um, if you're looking for for more of a challenge, you might play through the main storyline, complete all the qu- side quests, get all the collectibles, and you know basically unlock all the miscellaneous activities that might exist in the game. If that's not enough, you might do that on the hardest game mode. But then there's people, and I'm going to butcher his name, so I apologize in advance, a guy called Hayet Bardori, who's made the news headlines over the last couple of weeks for completing not just one of the Assassin's Creed games on the hardest difficulty without taking any damage but he's managed to complete the entire 12 game series without taking a
1: single point of damage at all well I think uh, to that we have to say nice come <laughs> <laughs> so off, off
2: the back of him finishing he finished Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was the first game that he finished in completion oh. without no, any damage. God. Your, your favorite game JV no, God, please no. those uh, forest
1: no. slugs are still uh, haunting no. you. No. <laughs> Ironically, I'm actually thinking about going, going back, back to it and uh, having another crack because uh, my good uh, friend uh, Hendo, shout out to you Hendo, if you're listening. Um, he's he's assured me it is worth uh, persisting with and and um, seeing right through to the end. So on on Hendo's advice, I'm going to go back into the fray and Give it see if I can go. complete Calketzis's uh, uh, adventure. So uh,
2: yeah, so he, he finished that game without taking damage, and then obviously on the top on the back of um, you know COVID and the height of lockdowns and stuff, he was he was basically looking for the next challenge. So like I said at the top, he was he thought he'd take on the Assassin, all 12 Assassin's Creed games. And his idea was to finish them, each of them individually in one go without taking any damage at all. And he had some certain rules that he sort of held himself to. So um, the first one was that the health bar could not fall below 100%, um, starting from the first possible instance of damage that you can take all the way to the end credits. So from Brotherhood through to Syndicate, All the levels had to be 100% synchronized, which in Assassin's Creed language is basically completed. Um, He wasn't allowed to have any reloads or restarts. All of his runs were played on the hardest difficulty, which started in Origins, because that was the first one that added, you know, the super hard difficulty modes. Um, He wasn't allowed to exploit any glitches for skipping any of the game content. Um, If he failed a single objective, he'd have to restart the entire run. Um... And he just he would made there was a few games where there's you know series in the storyline where you actually had to take damage so he made note of them and obviously didn't penalise himself for that so um, he predicted and here's some fun facts that it took him over a thousand failed attempts to get it done um, including practice hours for every single game on average it took about a hundred hours to complete each game um, the expect the exceptions being that Valhalla took him a massive total of 800 hours due to its length and black flag took about 250 hours. Um, and that was a result of a lot of luck based challenges that were in the game. Um, he started originally in October of last year and he uploaded the last Valhalla playthrough, um, late last month, I think it was. So, um, yeah, crazy. I I mean, I went and watched some of his streams and to be honest, it's just incredible. And, I just watched the Valhalla especially. I think it took him just under 20 hours to complete that game. And I just thought, you know, how would you be if you were playing this game for 18 hours and you fell off, fell off a ledge that was slightly too high and you had to restart and do the whole thing again. So insane. And he, and he recorded all of them in, in one sit through as well. So I think Valhalla, because it took 20 hours, he split it in half. So he did 10 hours, obviously had to sleep. And then come back and did the last eight hours, but all the other games were about nine to ten hours in one hit without any
1: breaks, no saving, no reloading. Geez, um, it must be nice to have that much time on your hands.
4: That you. Yeah. I was just about to, to say, what's his occupation? Um,
1: but
3: this is this is what I don't understand. Why, if you have all this time in your life, would you choose <laughs> the Assassin's Creed series <laughs> to play from start to finish? Yeah, it's a good all point. the way
2: through. I mean, there's, where there
3: a better? There's anything else? <laughs> Yeah. Even play all of the Broken Sonic games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? He's, I
2: think he's done other games as well, but I don't know. Maybe it was something to do with the added challenge of doing no, the whole maybe. series. But yeah, if it was me, I probably would have skipped probably two-thirds of the Assassin's Creed games. But yeah, anyway, kudos to uh, Hayeti... Uh, what was his last name? Bardori, if I've got your name correct. Congratulations well, on doing something pretty unbelievably amazing. Hayeti
1: Bardori. Nice car. <laughs> Well done, well done. So, uh, one of the main reasons that we've delayed uh, a day on our podcast this week um, is because Sony decided to hold a state of play uh, this morning, um, and we wanted to bring that that news to everyone and uh, talk talk a uh, bit of bit of PlayStation. So, um, just. I'm just going to start going through some of the some of the points that came out. So um, there was a lot of PSVR2 news in, in the state of play today, and um, uh, yeah, so that was that was sort of interesting. They didn't really sort of focus on the hardware or anything, but um, certainly just showed a lot of gameplay footage of some some PSVR2 titles that are going to be coming out. And uh, probably the, the main draw card from that, that pile, in my opinion, would have to be Horizon Call of the Mountain. Now, did, did you guys see the gameplay footage of, of Horizon Call of the Mountain? I'm yet mm. to see this one, JB.
3: I saw it, and um, I'm with you, Joel. That looks like, to me, I would buy PSVR 2 just to play that. Well, one of the It looks wild.
1: Yeah, one of the interesting things about it, um, the character that you play, uh, I mean, instinctively you'd think, oh, yeah, you're going to play Aloy. You play Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn and you play as Aloy in Horizon Forbidden West. But uh, in the footage that they showed, it was a, a man's voice that you could hear uh, from, mm. from the character that you're playing. And uh, one of the things that I picked up uh, just listening to the the footage the guy makes mention of being sent on his mission by blameless mirad now uh, for anyone who's familiar with the horizon series blameless Murad is the is a Kaja and he's the advisor to sun king avad so it sounds like uh, the player is being sent on a mission by the Kaja poop Presumably the player is a kaja or, or has some sort of close tie with them and uh, is potentially out doing a mission or missions for the Sun King directly. So I um, find that quite interesting because you do run into Blameless Mirad and the Sun King at the start of Forbidden West uh, just before uh, Aloy decides to head into the Forbidden West. So uh, they do have a pretty big role in in both both games really and and certainly the the Kaja, uh are one of the the cultures that are discussed most in in horizon based on the fact that the uh, the former Sun King was uh, completely mad and and conducted a series of, of red raids where he was finding people to sacrifice um, in the the sun ring in the middle of uh, Meridian, so it's um yeah I'll, I'm I'm pretty pretty stoked about that idea and look if I wasn't sold on getting a PSVR two before that's edged me ever so closer to making the decision to to look at getting one. Mm-hmm. We also got uh, footage of a Resident Evil four remake. Now this. This whole state of play was really, really heavy on survival horror games. There was, mm. there was Resident Evil Four that was shown. There was a, a VR version of Resident Evil Village, mm-hmm. uh, which looked absolutely <clears throat> terrifying. terrifying. Uh, <laughs> Uh, But, you know, I thought of of C-Mac as as soon as I saw it. I thought, oh, it should be right. Oh, I can't wait. That game's scary enough. I'm getting getting adjusted VR. VR. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like like Ferg said, the game's frightening enough when it's not in VR, let alone when you've got the headset on and you're fully immersed in that world and can't get away. There was also another game shown called The Callisto Protocol, Mm. um, which is sort of like a survival horror in space... And uh, you know there seemed to be a lot of a lot of zombies, a lot of heads being bitten off, uh, face hugger type creatures bouncing on people and smashing them, and um, yeah, it was another quite horrifying uh, looking title there. So um, one for for the uh, Sultan, um, we got Insomniac's Spider Man and Miles Morales coming to PC. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if. Uh, that got the uh, the old uh, uh, my, Prince of Pre-Orders yeah. loins tingling? My, my pre-order
2: <laughs> senses are tingling, JB. I did oh. see that, and again, that's another fantastic PlayStation game that's going to make its way to PC. So, um, yeah, I haven't played those games, so
1: I'm excited to... Yeah.
2: Nice car.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> uh, another thing that we got to, to see some footage of. Now, this game was teased at an earlier PlayStation State of Play, but a game called Stray mm. where basically the mm. player plays as a stray cat in a sort of like a cyberpunkish future world of earth where all the humans are dead or, or have been exterminated and the world seems to be populated by by robots and and sort of machines mm. and the player sort of uh, solves puzzles by Leaping, scratching, and pushing things off ledges like cats like to do, mm. and uh, certainly as the cats roaming around, it looked like uh, some of the robots were either afraid of it and running away, or uh, actively trying to kill the the, the cat. So yeah. um, it, it actually looks all right. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we we talk
2: about simulation games a lot, and we sort of joke around them, but they've got to be up there as my favourite genre of video games. So. I've seen this one as well and it looks, yeah, interesting. So we've done goat simulation, we've done, yeah, simulation. We've done uh, I've been a farmer, I've been a drug dealer, I've been a thief, why not be a cat? And it looks, <laughs> it looks, it looks interesting. Next logical step. This Whoa. game
3: really caught my eye. I think it's got a good edge of mystery to it and I think yeah, it, it's it's one of those trailers unlike Sonic Frontiers that actually captures your interest and makes you go, <laughs> hey, I really want to find out what this is about because this is really cool. Mm. Um yeah, they did a really good job at showcasing that game, especially because we've only really seen cinematic trailers of it. Yeah. And, yeah.
2: yeah. And like you said, J V that you know, why why are these robots and so scared of a cat? Like what's what's the story there? What's the deal? Why why is it such a threat? So yeah, like you said, Simon, it's uh yeah, it piques your interest. So that one's mm. I think that one's coming out soon. Um, I don't know the date off the top of my head. Uh,
1: uh, it's meant to be released in July, so it's only nineteenth. Yeah, oh wow! It's only sort of two months away. Um, so With that six weeks? Yeah, yeah. That uh, that's pretty close. Absolutely. Mm. And uh, I mean, we had we had two Resident Evil games, and then we got. I mean this this was this was Capcom in full flight. This this state of play. And we got a, a full trailer for Street Fighter Six. Now, um mm. did uh, did you guys catch that one? The Street Fighter Six yeah, trailer? Yeah. And what what were your thoughts on that?
4: Oh, I I never really played much Street Fighter, but I said to Simon Cheese, this looks this looks this looks like something I'd play. Mm. Looks really fun. Um I'm keen to know about the whole walking around. Because I, I said, oh, isn't this just like a Mortal Kombat style game? Because I don't really play Street Fighter. But then I saw one of the characters walking around the city. So I don't know what that's going to be like, if it's sort of just a bit gimmicky or not and just goes straight into the fighting or not. But um, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. It looks beautiful, like, for a fighting game. Unlike Mortal Kombat's very gory and very um, realistic. This is, you know, more cartoony and vibrant and colourful and just, yeah, it looks, it looks fun.
3: I think what um, what Capcom have done really well with this this game is, like a lot of people will always tether the line between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, but now they've really separated themselves. Yeah. And I feel like that um, the the bits that we saw of you know cruising through the city and going and starting a fight on in the middle of the streets really actually takes us to what it, it almost felt like I was looking at a version of Street Fighter Two, how I imagined that game to be when I was a kid. Um, In the the modern day, it felt like a very similar aesthetic to that game. And I was just kind of instantly grabbed by it because I actually really like Street Fighter. I just haven't really, you know, gone and picked up a modern title for a while. I used to play Street Fighter 4 back in the day. And um, I really used to love that when I would play that with, you know, uh, I don't know, Ferg, you remember playing that with Bryce every now and then and Steve when Bryce and Steve were living at their place and wherever it was in Adelaide. But, I mean, it was... It's just a really fun game. It's a different style of dynamic to Mortal Kombat. So I think it's a it's going to be a really fun title. Hopefully it um, stacks up well and the, all the game modes are, A, available to you day one. You don't have to pay to get extra game modes, which I have a feeling might happen. You might even have to pay to get extra characters, but I'm going to stay fairly positive about it. I think it's going to be cool.
1: Well, I must admit, I haven't played a Street Fighter game since Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo on the Super Nintendo um and I must admit, even though I really did like Mortal Kombat at the time, there was just something about Street Fighter that that was just different. And I think mm. like they just like each character had had really cool sort of gimmicks to them that um that really did just work for the game. So like you had Dalseem, who was like the the guy from India who had really stretchy arms and legs and uh, you know could blow fire you had uh, uh, e Honda who was like a sumo wrestler from Japan that could punch super quick so you, you know his hands were sort of a blur you had uh, Blanca from Brazil who uh, could could generate like an electrical sort of field around himself and anyone who sort of touched it you know, would get flung off and, and experience an electric shock. Um, they just had some really, really good characters and they had a lot of characters, especially back in mm. at that time. Like, I think mm. Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo had a roster of maybe 16 playable characters, I want to say. Um, so you were really sort of spoiled for choice um, and and just really, really good fun. Uh, unless, like, like, I had where... Uh, I had a, a next-door neighbour who I used to play against and he had a controller that enabled you to switch into like a, a mode on the on the control pad that when you pressed one of the buttons it was like you were hitting the button at rapid speed and so that's cheating in the 90s yeah yeah exactly <clears throat> and so he would just switch it into that mode and hold the the button down to just keep blanker like firing electricity continuously Uh, which you would never be able to do normally because you'd just tie your thumbs out. But uh, yeah, that certainly gave him an advantage there. So So um... did you like the look of the new one, JB? Did you see the trailer? I did. And one of my biggest gripes about Street Fighter back in the days when it was on Nintendo or or Sega Mega Drive was that it never quite looked as good as it did on the arcade. The arcade machine just had a little bit higher level of graphics quality and uh for i think you can actually get those versions on the nintendo switch now uh and probably other platforms too but they look really really good and so this one almost it almost has it like some tekken style vibes to it uh like it's it's really sort of i guess the look of it has has Gone in a slightly different direction, and it really has more of an anime feel to it than mm. perhaps what it did mm. back in the '90s. But yeah, you know, like if if the price is right, I might uh, throw that on the old wish list and and see what happens. Uh, and yeah, I might might pick it up. I, I probably don't think I'll pick it up at launch, but um, yeah, it might right might be a good one reviews. down the track. Yeah. Uh, just on what what. Uh, just going back slightly to Stray too, mm-hmm. it was also announced that for people who are on PlayStation Plus on the deluxe or extra tiers, you'll be able to download Stray for free on day one of release. Oh, That's okay. included in your subscription. On
3: well, the... well,
1: well, yeah. well, well, well. Bloody sewn. done it. So the people that said they would never... Do this on day one of release. Have just bloody gone and done it. So,
3: wanker uh, <laughs> alert! Wanker alert!
1: Maybe the uh, the pressure <laughs> of uh, the Xbox Games Pass has finally caused them to rethink some of their uh, decisions. So, uh, Sony
0: pass into the ass.
1: Uh, all right. What? So what was that. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> We had we had a bunch of other sort of uh, indie titles also shown off at State of Play, but uh, I sort of lost interest at that point and tuned out. So um, that was uh, probably as far as, as I got with the State of Play. I mean, did anyone else have anything in particular they wanted to throw into the mix from the State of Play? I didn't watch the whole show.
2: I watched bits and pieces of the trailers I was interested in. Have they announced, have they got a date for the VS? R two or whatever it's called is that uh, the, VR, the yeah PSVR
1: yeah, uh, two I don't think it has got a release date no. yet yeah okay they didn't spruce
2: spruce that, that no uh, I mean
1: play. they're just showing off a lot of the titles that they're working on for it yeah um but uh, I'd I'd be really surprised if it arrives this year I'd mm. say it'll yeah it'll be probably mid year yeah. next year maybe I reckon before I see we it. see it. Yeah, now that we're
2: halfway what? through the year, which is it's crazy to think about. I keep like Casey. Uh, I keep thinking it. we're in January or February still. So, 20- twenty twenty three is not that far away now. We're sort of coming oh into the gosh. halfway through. So, mm. well, that about wraps- yeah. I saw it.
4: Oh. A- oh, sorry, no. I'll- sorry, I was just gonna say I, I saw a game called Tunic, mm. an indie game. Indie game.
3: I think oh no, it's from Annapurna. I think it is India. It might be. I, I can't actually. I don't remember. No, that was. No, it's it. that's, that's...
4: funny because that's... this is the this is the game that pretty much stood out to me for the whole state of play. Um, apparently, it's been it's been on Xbox yeah. and it's now releasing on the PlayStation. And it's it's sort of a top down Zelda sort of esque game with a fox and a sort of puzzle game. I don't know. Mm. It looks incredible it looks amazing mm, yeah. and i i can't wait for it that's the one game that i was like yeah that's something new i haven't seen and something i think i'll really enjoy so tunic i think september 20 yeah, something like that <laughs> it's coming out i
2: think i yeah, i think i, um, <clears throat> I, I might have mentioned that early on that that one came out twin uh i think it was february on xbox um,
4: yeah, right. i know when we
2: were talking about the game pass that was a day day one release and that is getting some unbelievable reviews. There's a lot yeah. of people already talking about like game of the year type stuff. So,
0: oh wow! I think
2: it's um, you know, I haven't played it, but for what I'm reading about it, it's like you said, it's this very you know, aesthetic looking puzzle game, but it's actually quite difficult. They're sort of saying it's a very tricky, hard game, like a very challenging game. But yeah, a lot oh, of nice. people are raving about this. So yeah, it's good that it's coming to PlayStation and. Everyone going to have a chance. Yeah, yeah Some, some people eye. are talking game of the year for this one, which is which is crazy. So. Ooh, yeah.
1: <laughs> game of the year, hey. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gosh.
3: don't know about you guys though. If, like, just to finish up on the the whole PlayStation State of Play thing, for this time of year, is it? And this might just be just me, but that was an, a thoroughly underwhelming show. Mm. From from, I mean, considering what we saw. I feel like, uh, like you said, Joel, it was very survival horror heavy. There wasn't really something for everyone there, not even something that we could get excited about that's coming soon or something that we've already heard about that we could see a bit more of, like God of War Ragnarok or, you know, I just felt like that it was really lacking. Mm -hmm. And for this time of year, it's usually a good time of year to really show what everyone's got. And I don't know if people have just kind of gone, oh, well, there's no E3, so whatever. But I think that it would still be good for these companies to get amongst that feeling of, hey, it's June. Let's do let's see some really cool stuff. But I just feel like it was, it was really lackluster. It's like you have to kind of go, Oh, I really, yeah, actually I liked that. Or hey, I liked that. But it wasn't like, wow, that was a cool presentation. I'm I'm psyched for PlayStation, especially considering one of the announcements was for a game that's already out going to PC. Good for you. <laughs> Ferg, obviously, I mean, mm. um, but at the end of the day, I feel like that's, that's a bit of a, uh, you know, it, it's a bit discount considering there are so many people that do have a PS5 that just want games for it. And it's like there was not much to really get excited about. And I don't know. That's, and maybe that's just me. Mm. Well,
1: well it's, it's funny that you say that, Simon, because... Just before the State of Play aired, well, in fact, seven days before the State of Play aired, uh, the DG Gamer podcast was personally invited to Sony headquarters to sit in on a, one of the Blue Sky sessions where they were discussing what items they were going to discuss at the State of Play. And uh, we, we go live to that audio now. <laughs> Mm, riveting.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a good point, Simon. About you know, it was very VR heavy <laughs> as well. And you know, Sp- Spider Man's great for me, but I understand that at a Sony state of play, the primary audience is yeah. going to be Sony enthusiasts and not the PC community. But yeah, I don't know. I-, I was left a little bit underwhelmed as well. I didn't even bother with the the um, virtual stuff because you know, am no I, I even- am I going to be able to get my hands on one of them if I ever wanted to as well? It was the it was the next thing? So yeah. Yeah, well, it would have been nice to have seen, like you said, some stuff that's coming out, you know, towards the end of the year. It would have been great to see maybe a little bit more Harry Potter, maybe some God of War. But yeah.
1: Well, I think we've, can't we've, get we've probably seen all the the Hogwarts Legacy we're going to see now because we did yeah. get that state of play that yeah. that was, you know, virtually all the footage of yeah, that. That's a good point. And much like Horizon Forbidden West, we had one really heavy state of play that that showed off Horizon Forbidden mm-hmm. West uh, footage, gameplay footage. And then we really got nothing much else until the game launched. So I reckon we've seen all the Hogwarts legacy we're going to see for now. No. And uh, <laughs> I reckon that the next, uh, as it was described on Twitter, God-tier title that we're going to see will be... It has to be God of War Ragnarok for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's jump into this week's novelty segment.
0: we bought too many games. <laughs>
1: Now we gotta play them all. All,
0: about the all
1: right. So this week, was, our uh, I don't even know what that was. <laughs> our uh, our segment this week is most difficult game we've ever played. Now, uh, I mean, this doesn't have to be a a full game. This can be just a segment from a game. And uh, let's, let's start with the, the Nintendo Queen herself, uh, C-Mac. What is the most difficult game you've ever played?
4: Well, it's got to be a Nintendo game because I am the Nintendo Queen, apparently. Of course. Uh, I oh, yes. I don't know if it's, it's one of the most difficult games that I could think of, but Majora's Mask. Pass
0: into the ass.
1: <laughs> All right. And what makes Majora's Mask the most difficult game you've ever played?
4: I don't know what that says. Um, (laughs) For me, I I put off playing Majora's Mask until Simon said, no, it's amazing. You need to play it. And I was like, okay, I'll play it. And then he quickly went, oh, but you're going to need a walkthrough the whole time. And I was like, I'm not going to sit here with a walkthrough on my phone just because so I can play this game because it's because it's difficult, not difficult in terms of oh wow, it's hard to fire that enemy, but difficult in terms of just the complexity of the game. There is so much and because you are on a timeline, You have very limited amount of time per day. You have three days in order to do everything and then resets itself, you know. So for me, I've always felt so anxious whenever I started it because I thought, well, I'm never going to know where to go straight away. You know, you have it's very the game's on a clock. So you've got to be at certain places at certain times. So, yeah, I played the game with a walkthrough the entire time. But you know what? It was really fun even with the walkthrough. So yeah, I feel like that is probably one of my most difficult games because I was constantly looking at a walkthrough, looking back to the game, looking at the walkthrough, looking back to the game. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting game because it it, it captures your imagination and it makes you so excited to play it. But at the same time, you just think, Oh, why is it so complex and deep you know to get all the masks in the game you have to have a walkthrough it's it's impossible unless you've played the game and you know it back to front it's impossible so and and in order to complete the game having all the masks pretty much makes it able you know it's it's easy to complete so that for me is probably one of my most difficult games, and I, I probably won't pick it up for a long time because yeah, it was draining. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. draining to sit there and just flick through this walkthrough and try and get everything, you know, completed. So yeah, that's my most difficult game.
1: Sometimes you've just got to make the decision of whether you want to. Now we can do this
3: the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, particularly when it comes down yeah. to uh, whether you want to use the walkthrough or not. Yeah, uh, there's lots of games. It feels like so that.
3: cheatery though. It feels like you're cheating with the game. It does. Like that, but it it kind is...
4: of brings out the magic of the game because I love Zelda games. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with them, and I think they're great. And I love exploring, but when I'm put on a bloody clock. Get this done, otherwise the world will explode from the moon. I just think. no, nah, I got I have to. I have to have a walkthrough because I feel anxious. you know it's like in Phantom Hourglass, Zelda Phantom hourglass on the DS every time you go into a dungeon you're on a clock you have to go 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 you can't you can't stop and if you make any mistakes you're dead and I don't like that feeling but I really (laughs) wanted to play Majora's Mask because I've heard it's amazing and And, it was and that's
3: exactly why I kind of said that to you is because when I went to play it I was like I don't know what the hell I'm doing And, (laughs) and then I was just kind of like bugger I'm gonna look at a walkthrough and play it with a walkthrough because I just wanted to experience the story and it's probably the only game that I've played with a walkthrough that's fully worth just playing with a walkthrough because it is just the story I guess is it's more, so good. It's, it's, cool. Yeah,
4: I guess it's more of a the most complex game I've ever played. Not probably the most difficult, probably mm. the most complex. So i failed the novelty segment already. No, but oh, it's, well, still it's, it's, it's still difficult. It's still difficult to play yes.
3: because all the things yeah. that you have to, <clears throat> to kind of know that it just expects you to somehow I still have a full-time... Didn't, like, I
4: still didn't complete yeah. 100%. Like, all the side quests I just didn't do because I ran out of time. Like, it's mm. just... Yeah, it's incredible for its time as well. But, you know, back on the 64, like, they came up with such a complex, difficult game. It's when that incredible. game came out
3: one year after Ocarina of Time, you yeah, know, come on, like... I'm telling you, there are, there are games that come out five, six years after the games that came before them, and they are trash. And this game came out one year after. Did it really well. Get out. That's just too good.
2: Yeah, I had a similar experience off the back of doing the podcast when we were talking about Day of the Tentacle. It's a similar thing. It's a point-and-click game, but some of the um, the puzzles and knowing how to interact different objects with the environment, I tried so hard not to rely on a walkthrough. But there were some mm. points where you just had to. Like I was just mm-hmm. walking around for half an hour and just trying every single object with everything I could touch. and. But that game was incredibly clever because once you looked at the walkthrough and you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. But while you're playing the game, it's sort of like, I could be here like infinitely trying to work this out. Like it's
1: so, so tricky. Like, yeah, mind-bending. It kind of reminds me of um, there was, there's a game uh, came out on PC early 90s, Sam and Max hit the road. And there's one part of the game where uh, one of the characters, in order to help you, he wants you to go and find his missing mood ring. And yeah. and I remember like myself and my buddy from from school, uh, Andrew, we were we were rooting around for hours trying to find this mood ring. What you ended up having to do is you had to go to the largest ball of twine. You had to get a magnet, put it on the end of like a, a stretchy sort of uh, device and jam it inside the ball of string and it would oh magnetize God. to the, the magnet and that's where it was. I, mm. it's How the would most, you know that?
4: You wouldn't. You no, wouldn't know that.
1: It's the most mm. convoluted uh, solution to a puzzle. And when he told uh. me, I, I honestly said, if, if you didn't tell me that, I'd have no idea. Mm. At all, how to how to do that? It, it's just mm, mind-blowing. Yeah. That's mind what blown. Yeah.
4: Sometimes yeah. walk walkthroughs, you know, you feel like you're cheating, but then you do it. You're like, nah. Well, I'm glad I looked that up and didn't waste my life. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sometimes you just got to think.
4: Oh, you want to do this the hard way? We'll do this the hard way.
1: But then do it the easy way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Majora's Mask. You can us
0: into the us. Uh, all right, next,
1: what? Uh, Simon. What uh, what game uh, did you want to discuss for most difficult da- game you've ever played?
3: This was a hard one for me to think of because there is a couple of really hard ones I've played as of late. Um, one of them being Metroid Dread, and I mean, the, before that, uh, in in you know the two D kind of realm was Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze to finish. But I mean, this this game, I there were so many times I raged out on this game, but it just kept me coming back. And
1: it is Cuphead.
0: Pass into the ass.
1: <laughs> All right, and what made Cuphead the most difficult game you've ever played?
3: Everything. So, um, I mean. Everything, everything. Tore our marriage apart.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, that. Effing game.
3: Oh, I mean, I, the, this game... I, basically... Emotional
4: damage! <laughs> Seriously, this game made Simon so mad. I've never seen him so angry at anything. And I'm like, stop playing it. You're just being angry for no... You're not even enjoying it. He's like, nah, I've got to do it. You're not enjoying it. Nah, I've got But to I do was it. enjoying you it. You were not enjoying <laughs> because, it. no, but
3: this is the thing... You
4: weren't. Yeah, enough,
3: Sad. Enough from you, wife. <laughs> so this is the thing with Cuphead, is that... Um, <laughs> It's, it, if I was to describe it in the most sort of basic terms possible, it's like a, I'd say it's like a Mega Man-esque game. So it's 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 very difficult um, with an art style of, say, an old school 50s cartoon. That like
4: Mickey Mouse art style.
3: Yeah, like the, the old school Mickey Mouse kind of art style. It's incredibly endearing. It's such a cool game, uh, but it just requires so much brain power and so much quick thinking. And um, it almost requires you to um, basically be on speed to play it. Um, That I'm glad I didn't have to do that to finish it. But um, what was unreal about this game is that when you completed a level, you had this overwhelming sense of triumph. And, um, you know, I, I remember for for one level you're basically versing this dragon it's it's just like a boss level this dragon comes out and the dragon then morphs into some other part of the dragon and then it morphs into something else and all these boss battles had about three or four different sort of um phases that they'd go through one harder than the next and it was just kind of like i i did it over and over and over and over again but i couldn't help myself it was just so but it's kind of like you had to to learn
4: you had to kind of play it to learn what the next mode was you can't just play it the whole way through you have to keep learning as you go so like okay well that's what happens then i die okay let's try it again that's what happens then i died i've tried again
3: and then what what kind of weapons am i going to use because basically cuphead shoots like bullets from his fingers like a gun which is really kind of cute but he also has all these different um, power-ups that he can use as well that you can unlock along the way. And so you can turn those finger guns as to rapid fire or into missiles or into like blobs that kind of go all around the world and things like that. And it's just this really fun mixture of platforming and quick reaction with, um, you know, this this sort of addictive shooting combat that, um, just kept me coming back. And I mean, right up until the very the last boss where you, you go up against the devil, it's this huge, huge level, right? You you play against the, this guy that you made at the start. He's this dude that throws dice. He's got dice ahead and you play against him, but you have to basically take him out in a certain number of hits like you have to there's cards that come down I can't even explain it but (laughs) you have to do it just right every time to get to the devil and then you have to beat the devil after that and it was just kind of like my my brain was melting but when I beat the devil I was like this this is hands down the most um it kind is the most difficult game I've played but geez I'm so glad I've played it and I'm so excited for the DLC because oh god um it's just i don't know i really want to get back into that it's it's... no god no no, but it's for the same reason that i really love playing (laughs) it's the same reason that i really love like donkey kong tropical freeze when you get to the end of that game there's all these super duper really challenging levels that come after it if you collect all the kong pieces and I used to love those challenges because it required you to do things just so in order to get to the end. And if you figured out how to do it, it was just such a like a great feeling. Like, yeah, damn straight, I did that just right. That was really cool. You know, I don't know. It was just something about it. And Cuphead is right up there with me. So
1: sounds like I love it. like <clears throat> when you when you're in the process of completing God of War 2018, and you've got to fight those fucking Valkyries at the end of the game. Yeah. And they, oh, it was...
4: Oh, you want to do this the hard way? We'll do this the hard way! Uh, that that is uh,
1: in-game audio of uh, one of the Valkyries. Uh... And shout out to
2: Cuphead. I think it's got some of the most... The, uh, the art style of that game is incredible. Like, it's oh, such a- an original and beautiful game. Game to look at. It's,
4: They've made yeah. it into a um, TV show now on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah.
1: dying to see the that, TV show. That TV show on Netflix, uh, my my youngest daughter Madeline loves it because uh, <laughs> there is there is there's a scene where the the two cuphead boys have to babysit this baby bottle. That comes to their house and the baby bottle like rips their dad's mustache off his face, <laughs> and then uh, puts on this really angry look on his face and he goes mama And uh, yeah, she just thinks that that is uh, the most hilarious oh, Dad, she thing. Thinks it's not
4: creepy. <laughs> no,
1: no, she loves it. She thinks that's the most hilarious thing. So now that's oh, that's man, become really a little uh, a little, uh, a little uh, meme that we we sort of say back and forth to one another. Um, yeah, mama. definitely worth a look. It's it's. Excellent show. Excellent show. Mm. All right, Ferg, what uh, what game did you want to uh, throw under the bus for the most difficult game you've ever played? Most difficult game. Now, I don't know if it's
2: difficult in the sense that it's hard to play. It's very easy to play, but it's it's a challenging game for reasons I'm about to explain. So, hell let loose if you're not familiar with the game, it's a, a multiplayer tactical first-person shooter and I'll give a shout-out to the Australian developer called Black Matter. Well, hang, hang on. Hell let loose.
0: Pass into the ass. <laughs> okay,
2: now proceed. Yeah. So it's basically um, you, you play as two 50-player teams. Um, they fight it out in you know iconic battles of the Western and Eastern Fronts of World War II. So it's a World War II game. Um, and it's not difficult to get in and play, but what makes this game difficult slash challenging it has such a steep learning curve because it really goes against all the popular first punch first person shooters that are out there such as your CODs and your battlefields um you know it's basically a World War Two simulator so you know if you see your mate get shot the worst thing you can do is go run over there because you're going to get shot yourself so you essentially have to play this game as it's as it's real life. So you have to take advantage of staying in cover, you know, using your envi- environment as for your advantage. Thinking about where the enemy might be, as opposed to just running around willy nilly trying to chase the action. Um, and it's so easy. You play this game, and you basically get shot once, and you're dead, and you've got no idea where it's come from. There's no HUD. There's no any indication you know, where someone's shooting you from. So it's one of those games like communication is is king in this game. Like it's basically the difference between winning and losing is is how well you communicate with your team. And it's got an interesting sort of communication style. So, you know, you're in a squad of six players and you can chat internally. um, And one of your squad is basically the squad leader, which is also known as the officer. And he can talk to the officers of the other squads and all of the officers of each of the squads can talk to a commander. So there's someone who plays as this guy that oversees the battlefield from either team, and he gives orders to the officers, who then relay it to the people in your squad. Um, and they, you know, have a role of you know providing assistance, but it's basically tactics and strategic support. So yeah, it's just one of those games where it's so different to anything I've really played, um, but. You know what I do love about this game, and I'm really looking forward to getting back into it. There's a couple of updates that are coming, um, and it's very well supported by the developers as well. I think it came out in 2019 in early access on PC, and it went like a full game, I think, late about this time last year. On I think it's on PS5 and Xbox as well. But they're looking at adding some like you know night cycles, so you know matches we played at at night and at dusk and all this sort of stuff. But the the authenticity of the game is what makes it, you know, really I don't know a fun game to play because, like I said, you're essentially simulating what it would have been like to, you know, fight Normandy back in World War Two and and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, it's um if you're sort of looking for a a tactical shooter which has the aesthetic of World War Two and I love World War Two. I think the history of that conflict's sort you know fascinating. Just nerding out there, it might be a good one for you. But it's it takes a lot of patience and you know. You just have to play it and that's why it's hard because you have to approach it with a different mindset as opposed to if you're playing COD or Battlefields. So yeah, hell
1: let loose.
0: Pass into the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful.
1: <laughs> All right. Um well thank you for that, Ferg. Now uh for for the game that I'm gonna bring up, I'm uh gonna take you back to the year nineteen eighty seven. Now um this game came out on a range of different systems. Um In fact, I don't even think it was originally um, on the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, but that is certainly where I played it and where I found it. But it originally was released by the developer Epix for the Apple II and Commodore 64, and then it was ported to other home computers and video game consoles, and the game in question is California Games.
0: Pass into the ass.
1: Now, California <laughs> Games uh, was sort of a, a follow-up uh, game that that came out after the success of uh, the Summer Games and Winter Games series of, of games that came out on those, those systems. And it consisted of a collection of outdoor sports uh, that were supposed to be popular in California... And it was a, a massive commercial success for, for Epics, And apparently it spawned a sequel, which I've never played. But uh, the events that you could play in in California games included half-pipe, uh, skateboarding, roller skating, surfing, BMX, footbag, and flying <laughs> disc. Now, um, interestingly, um, some of the members of the development team that were on California Games moved on to um, uh, quite significant sort of uh, things after that. So um, Chuck Somerville, the designer of the half-pipe game in California Games, later developed the game Chips Challenge. Uh, Ken Nicholson, the designer of the footbag game, was the inventor of the technology used in Microsoft's DirectX. Uh, Kevin Norman, the designer of the BMX game, went on to found the educational science software company Norman and Globus, uh, makers of the Electro Whiz series of products. So, um, the 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 guys that worked on it were all uh, pretty pretty clever people that went on to do amazing things. Um, but the part of California Games that was the most frustrating and um, the most just arse-tearingly difficult, was the, ro- the roller skating. Pass into
0: the arse.
1: Now, the roller skating, uh, you play the part of a California skater girl in shorts and a ponytail, and you have to navigate through a course along a footpath next to a beach. Now, as you're skating down that footpath, the player must dodge cracks in the pavement, banana peels bouncing balls, sand, uh, like jumps that, that have been set up on the concrete and even graffiti on the pavement, all of which will make the player trip over. If you fall three times during a run, it's game over and, and start again. And we, we had this game on NES and my mum watched my brother and I play this back back and forth, passing the controller back and forth, trying to get to the end of the course. And my mum told my brother and I, after watching us over and over again, (laughs) that she would give fifty dollars to whoever could get to the end of the course. Now that fifty dollars back then. Yeah. And that was a lot that was a lot of coin back then. That 50, house that. that $50 <laughs> remains unclaimed to this day. Despite many dozens, if not hundreds of attempts to try and beat that course. So uh, uh, California Games, roller skating. Pass
3: into the ass. Mate, I could claim that 50 bucks. I tell you, after playing Cuphead, I reckon I'd give that a run for its money.
1: <laughs> well... Simon
3: pass into the ass. I think you
1: like that that sound way too
3: much, man. <laughs> all
2: right. Well, I, I'm uh, so surprised you didn't go with Elden Ring for your game, Joel. What?
1: Ah, oh, because I've given up on it, <laughs> mate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: uh, Well, that that is the close of the novelty segment for this We've week.
3: We got too many games.
1: Now we got to play them all. So all about
0: the choo choo.
1: And that is also all we've got time for this week on the Discerning Gamer podcast. I would like to uh, thank all the members of the DG crew in no particular order. Fergus Fergamon Hamilton, the Sultan of Steam. Thank you, Fergus.
2: Thanks, JB. My pleasure, mate.
1: And I'd also like to thank the gaming chef himself, uh, Simon Steely McLaughlin. Thank you, Steely. Thank
3: you, Joel. Thank you for always coming up with a fresh new soundbite to make my ears go, what is that and where did it come from and what's the context? And I love you. uh...
1: Nice car. (laughs) And last but not least, the Nintendo queen herself, Casey C-Mac McLaughlin. Thank you very much, Casey.
4: Thanks, Joel. It's always fun.
1: And if you'd like to get in touch with us, we are The Discerning Gamer on Facebook. We are Discerning Gamer Podcast on Instagram. We are Discerning Pod on Twitter. And you can send us an email at DiscerningGamerPodcast at gmail.com.au. And without further ado, we will see you next week. See ya. See ya. Well, talk to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice car.